Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast contains adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It is one of the biggest unsolved murder mysteries in Detroit. This murder not only affected her three children, but continues to affect an entire community. An anonymous donor has now added $100,000 to the reward for Tamara's killer, raising the total to $102,500. $100,000. It's a lot of money, especially in Detroit, which is one of the poorest cities in the country. A place where people are rehabbing houses, some of them they bought for $500. The average house costs $69,000. More than 40% of the residents in Detroit live at or below the poverty threshold. So imagine how much $100,000 is here. Dangling that giant bag of money promoting it in press releases, in newspapers, on TV reports, even on Facebook. It hasn't brought what supporters, friends, family, and internet sleuths want. An answer to the question, who killed Strawberry? Dan DiBardino from Crime Stoppers talks about it. There's so much smoke around that. And quite frankly, there's so many lies about that on both sides. I mean, I don't know. Was there a party? Wasn't there a party? Was this one involved? Was I don't know, but I know this. Everybody can't be telling the truth. Somebody's lying because there's too many conflicting stories. Yeah, it bothers you. That's somebody's daughter and mother, and, and she's gone, and we just go about our day like nothing's happened. And, yeah, it bothers us a lot. And that's why we did something on Tomorrow Green not too long ago got some more information, passed it on to the law enforcement people. It bothers us, Zach, because behind every one of these stories, as you know, there's a family who's suffering, who's grieving. We talked about this this morning in a meeting before you came through the door, that every one of these cases, there's human beings behind them that we need to try to help. And it's frustrating that we don't. A central question in the middle of the mystery surrounding Tamara Green's never-solved murder is this. Did the never-proven Manoogian Mansion party happen? So when you started investigating Tamara Green's murder, 
what made you think, oh, she may have some connection to this bachelor party at the Minutium? No, it was no guess. It was a fact. Did someone call and tell you that, or just how did you know that? A lot of people have told me a lot of things, and and their names will go unknown. I won't reveal those names to you. Again, because I was so active around in the city and in politics as well, I indulged in all of that. I knew a lot of people, and a lot of people confidentially told me that they were at the party. It did occur. You had firsthand knowledge of this party from people who had attended it. Yeah, but I gave my word I would not reveal their names to anybody, and my word is my bond. Retired Detective Al Bowman, the guy who was removed from leading the initial investigation into Tamara Green's homicide, and won a whistleblower's lawsuit because of it. He's the first person, to my knowledge, to go on record and say that he has first-hand knowledge about the party at the Minutian Mansion. I'm Christy Strasser, and this is Who Killed Strawberry? Episode 9, What We Know and what we can prove. Well, let me see if I can succinctly tell you without any real window dressing, but not to say as much. When they say there was a party at the Manoogian Mansion, it wasn't a fairy tale, or it wasn't any parts of mythology. There was a minister. He's dead now that was having a uh, bachelor's party. He was later married by, by the mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick. So rumor has it that the mayor's wife came in and had a fight with the dancer who was invited in part for entertainment purposes. It's my understanding. So that's where all of those connections come in. Bowman won't say anything more about the people he says told him they were at the never-proven Manugian party. I did try to track down the pastor in question by connecting the date of the never-proven party to weddings officiated by Kwame Kilpatrick. I tracked it until, like everything else, it dead-ended. Ended up going nowhere. In one of the very few public declarations supporting the idea that the party happened, a former police clerk signed an affidavit in 2008 saying she had seen a report about an exotic dancer being attacked by the mayor's wife at the Manoogian. She also said the report made it clear that Tamara Green wanted to press charges. The police clerk's account has never been verified by another person, and no police report has ever surfaced. There's also the story of an EMT, which was covered by the Detroit News. Here's what they wrote. Douglas Baer, described in a Michigan State Police report as an EMT with the Detroit Fire Department, said he arrived at the hospital on call and, quote, observed a large crowd in the reception area who were causing a commotion, end quote. 
He said the crowd of about 20 to 25 people included two with, quote, Secret Service-type earpieces, end quote. He assumed they were members of the mayor's executive protection unit. On the way out of the hospital, Bear asked a group of EMT workers what the commotion was about and was told it was related to an assault on a woman by the mayor's wife, the police report said. So did the wild party with exotic dancers happen at the mayor's mansion in 2002? Saying, I don't know, it's too cheap a cop-out, so I won't. What I will say is this. Plenty of people will tell you they know someone who was there. A highly reputable cop says he was called to the scene, and then the call was canceled before he got there. A clerk says she saw a report about it, and it disappeared. A dispatcher says she sent cars there. Al Bowman says he spoke firsthand to someone who was there. That's new information. But not one person told me they were at the Manugian mansion and saw Tamara Green allegedly get beaten by Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick's wife, Carlita. But I keep coming back to one thing. The trash. Harold Nelthrope told us he showed up for work one day at the Manugian, back when he was a cop assigned to the security detail for then-Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. Nelthrope couldn't believe how much trash was piled up near the back gate of this beautiful, historic mansion. It made him stop, just shake his head at the mess of it all. Surveying the trash that had just suddenly piled up, Nelthrope remembered musing to himself about what could have caused it. Must have been a party. A big one. One of the days I showed up and heard the conversation, everybody was talking about it. When I heard about it, I was wondering, I said, you know, I don't know if it was a week later or whatnot, but when I come in, I do a grounds check. So there's a gate leads to the other side. It could almost look like a dog run, if you know what I mean. So when I do my checks, I go through again, I look, and it dawned on me, I said, you know, all this garbage get back here. What, was there a party here or something like that? I was always wondering because, mind you, at this particular time, the mayor hasn't moved in the place yet. So where would all that garbage come from? It clicked in my head, well, maybe there was a party here. Nelthrope hadn't heard a rumor about a party. Naked dancers, a beating. At least not yet. There were no lawsuits, no media reports. He just looked at the unusual amount of trash, took it upon himself to move it out of sight, and muttered to himself about a party. When they were talking about the party, did they say specifically, like, oh, there were strippers here and the mayor's wife attacked a stripper? And, and like, Carlita what were they? Came, Carlita came in and, and caught him. And then some about uh, hitting one of the girls, I guess, with, with the object, I think. And then they said she had to go to the hospital. There's the missing police files of Marion Stevenson, too. The 911 tapes that, poof, disappeared just when state police were about to get their hands on them. EMT Doug Bayer, who said he saw a crowd of men with earpieces mingling outside the hospital, asked what was going on, 
And someone said they were bringing in a stripper who'd been attacked by the mayor's wife at the Minutian mansion. There's dispatcher Sandy Cardenas. She says she fielded a 911 call about a disturbance at the mansion and sent officers there. She said it in a deposition and then again in an ad against Mike Cox, the attorney general turned candidate for governor who ended the investigation into the party by saying it had all the earmarks of an urban legend. Mike Carlisle, a detective at the time, recalled for the Detroit News details of a night where he heard a call for help from the Menudian at 11 p.m. On his way, the call was called off. Security would handle it, dispatch said. Carlisle not only remembered it, he remembered getting paid for the extra time he had worked that night. Police officer Walt Harris, part of Kwame Kilpatrick's executive protection unit, he said he heard about the party from fellow cops before anyone had outed it in the public square. So did reporter George Hunter, who heard it from his sister, who was a cop. She said she heard about it from a friend at the police academy, who said he was there. Six police officers sued the city of Detroit over the years, and they all won. Cases proved that they were shut down or fired when any investigation led them to exploring the possibility of the party. It's the wild Manoogian Mansion party that was never proven. The never proven party at the Manoogian Mansion. At the never proven Manoogian Mansion party. The talked about but never proven party at the Manoogian Mansion. The rumored party at the Manoogian Mansion. But there's another connection, one that's been made in the public imagination, at least in Detroit, and that's that the death of Strawberry, the exotic dancer, was connected to her appearance at the Manoogian Mansion party. And that connection, it's not there. At least nowhere that I can find. That connection began when police whistleblowers came forward. The biggest payout in the police whistleblower case was $8.4 million to internal affairs head Gary Brown, security officer Harold Nelthrope, and homicide cop Al Bowman. Bowman was the first assigned to the Strawberry case. He was the squad leader. Brown was the internal affairs leader who wrote a memo detailing discoveries about the mayor's late-night activities and misdeeds by his security. Al Bowman, he had started looking into the party as a potential tie to his victim, Tamara Green, after anonymous calls came into the police department from people who wanted to be sure the cops knew that Tamara was the one. You know the one. The woman who had danced for the mayor at the Minutian mansion and had gotten attacked. Bowman was also intrigued by the notion that Strawberry was killed by 40 caliber bullets. Guns known to be commonly carried by Detroit cops. The cops became plaintiffs, and their suit was settled for $2 million more than they had even asked for. After their attorney Mike Stefani slipped a note to Detroit city attorneys, proving that he had evidence of perjury on the part of the mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, and his chief of staff, Christine Beatty, in one of the depositions tied to his case. Kwame and Christine 
had testified that they were not having an affair. But they were. The payout in the whistleblower cases was meant to keep their messy personal affairs a secret. It just didn't work out like that for Kwame Kilpatrick. Here's his former campaign staffer, Adolf Mongo. As somebody who worked with him or knew him day to day, like, what was somebody was like? Real smart. Charismatic. Uh, Yeah, but he was selfish. He was always rescued. Growing up, his parents always took care of him. We got in trouble, they always got him out of it. And the first time he got smacked around, people tried to tell him, settle with Gary Brown. That was the beginning. It was like dominoes. Kwame and the city of Detroit settled the whistleblower's case, and that created the optics that there was something big that people all the way at the top were trying to hide. So the link was made in the public imagination between the never-proven Manudian Mansion Party and the tragic death of Tamara Strawberry Green. How strong is that link? Kwame Kilpatrick headlined a leadership event this November in Detroit. Tickets were $200 per person. On a promotional Facebook post, the very first reactions that came in were LOLs and trolling questions about whether Kwame was going to, quote, talk about the stripper that he had killed after his wife beat her. That's how strong the link is in the public imagination. When I stopped by Kwame's old house in Detroit and ran into a contractor there, he told me about Kwame and the exotic dancer and the gun carried only by cops that killed her. Magnum is what killed her. It doesn't matter. And only police carried those at that time. Only police. It's part of the city's lore. But any tangible connection between the never-proven party at the Manugian Mansion and the death of Tamara Strawberry Green is, in the words of reporter George Hunter, smoke. Here's Kwame Kilpatrick's former campaign advisor, Adolf Mongo. And none of these people at the Manugian party killing anybody. She got killed by some real gangsters. She didn't get killed by Kwame Kilpatrick and all these other folks. The text messages procured by Stefani showed constant texting on the part of the mayor and his closest staff members. They texted openly about firing Gary Brown. Kwame and his chief of staff, they even sexted on city-owned devices. Kwame texted other women, too. He made plans for nights out out of view of his wife. Reporter M.L. Elric from the Detroit Free Press, who won a Pulitzer for covering Kwame and uncovering the text messages, he thinks the fact that those texts never once mentioned this party or Tamara Strawberry Green, that absence in itself proves something. Here's one thing about the text messages that ties back to the Manuga Mansion party. Nobody I've talked to who has seen all of the text messages has ever seen any reference to a party. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, that was some kind of party, or oh my God, I can't believe things got out of hand, or meet me at the Manoogian on Labor Day, or uh, (laughs) what are we going to do about that dead stripper? Nothing. 
and no. every other thought went through their brain, through their fingers, and into these machines. So mm-hmm. if anybody's looking for the definitive proof that there's no party, it's that, that there's no evidence in the text messages that a party happened. That's case closed right there. The text messages covered the time from September through October 2002. That's when Tamara Green was killed. There was nothing in the thousands and thousands of texts about Strawberry or her death. There was not one text about a party where Carlita hit a dancer. M.L. Elric says if it was in those texts, he would have found them. We spent tons of times investigating. In fact, it was our investigation into the party rumor that led to many other revelations that were true that we did report, such as police vehicles being wrecked by the mayor's security team, the mayor's security team getting inordinate amounts of overtime, lots of other stuff like that. And we were told there were parties there, but not like that. And not involving Carlita and the stripper. So let's back up now. Yeah. If you really want to do the Manoogian Mansion party rumor, there are a few people who I think who can do this, but it's really important. And I have boxes full of notes on this. There was no strawberry at the beginning. The mayor had a party and the first lady came home and beat a stripper with, uh, we were told, uh, I think originally it was a table leg. Well, that turned into pistol whipped her. Then that turned into the stripper was a officer who worked in Chief Jerry Oliver's office. And because they knew she was a stripper, they had her dance at the party. The name of a cop who at one point had been an exotic dancer in Detroit has also been tied into rumors about this case. Some say she was actually the dancer at the Manoogian party who got beaten. This woman really did exist. And she had worked as an exotic dancer before she became a police officer. But she wasn't there. So then later it became, oh, well, maybe she wasn't there. But they used her insurance card to get the stripper treated at mm-hmm. uh, Riverside Hospital on Jefferson, which was the closest hospital at the time. That didn't really check out. And then somewhere along the way, these stories are sort of like tumbleweeds. They pick stuff up mm-hmm. as they roll, or they're like that snowflake that lands at the top of the mountain, and then it connects to another snowflake, and it becomes a snowball, and then it starts rolling. And by the time it's got to the bottom of the mountain, it's a massive snow gargantuan that destroys the village. That's what happened (laughs) with this. And it just picked up more and more clumps of snow. And one of them was strawberry. And what happened was, as this rumor was going around, as it was shifting and changing, as as one thing was found out not to be true, and then people said, no, it must be that, and then it must be this. Then eventually, you know, there is a stripper who's dead, and says, oh, she must be the one who Mm -hmm. danced at the party, and she must have been killed to keep her quiet. And along the way... Oh, yeah, there was another stripper there, and she was killed in Atlanta because she fled to Atlanta because she feared for her life. Well, Scott Lewis at Fox, to investigate that, there was no stripper murdered in Atlanta. But as I recall, before the name Strawberry came up, I had a source who told me that it was a team of strippers, and they were known as the Mercedes Ladies. And they had names like Mo Money, Pleasure Girl. But anybody that could be thrown into this rumor was thrown into this rumor. And we had to follow all these leads. And in the end, none of them checked out. Other whistleblowers included Walt Harris, a member of the Executive Protection Unit who wrote in his book 
that he was awarded about $400,000 in a lawsuit over all the stress he was under in his job. That's the job where he wondered what he would have to do when the mayor's wife drove by while Kwame was in the middle of a tryst. How to handle former linebacker Lou Beattie if he came home while his best friend, Kwame Kilpatrick, was having sex with his wife. What the torn and tiny blue panties meant in the back of a city-owned car driven by the mayor. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In 2021, Kwame Kilpatrick got a gift from an unlikely source. Donald Trump commuted his prison sentence. It was Trump's final day in office. Kwame had served nine years of his 28-year sentence for corruption, obstruction of justice, and more charges. A lot of people scratch their head about Trump's role in freeing the Democratic former mayor of Detroit, a place where 94% of voters had just cast their ballot for Joe Biden. So why did Trump do it? The best guess is that it was related to longtime Kwame Kilpatrick supporter Peter Kamanos, a Detroit billionaire. He had publicly called Kilpatrick's sentence a, quote, modern-day lynching. And he had personally delivered Kilpatrick's clemency request to Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law. Kwame talked about the former president's role in his release with Fox 2 in Detroit. I don't believe there's a greater thing that you could ever do for anybody than to set him free. He, with one stroke of his pen, eliminated a 28-year sentence that was hanging over my head. Nobody else got me out of a cell and gave me freedom from that prison. Stephen Henderson, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and host of Detroit Today and the local NPR affiliate, 
said people were rejoicing about Kwame's release. Kwame Kilpatrick, because of who he is, still has an incredible emotional hold on us. He's still very much front of mind for so many Detroiters. And so uh, what I've been hearing from people is uh, relief that he will not spend the rest of his adult life, really, uh, in, in, in prison. People rejoicing. Kwame Kilpatrick fade into the background. I can't imagine that. Kwame Kilpatrick today has a beautiful new wife, a woman who was the secretary at City Hall when he was the mayor. They got married in a big church ceremony in Detroit six months after his release. They also recently celebrated the birth of a baby, a son named King. Kwame's a free man again with a new family. And what's that like? All we know about his time in prison and what his life's like now is what we see on his social media accounts. I reached out several times to try to talk to him, but never got a response. We can see, though, what he's written himself. These are things Kwame said in his own social media posts. Yes, I have been punished severely. I have been chained like a wild animal, shackled around my ankles, waist and wrist, with a black box to keep my hands at my side many times. I have spent more than five months in solitary confinement at different periods in this journey because they wanted to do that to me. I have experienced ridicule, scorn, and disrespect from prison staff that you possibly couldn't imagine. I have missed important moments in my son's lives. Puberty, graduations, college entrance, basketball and football games, awards, and even the most important moments when they needed their father's counsel, presence, and love. I destroyed my marriage, and the irreparable harm has caused great pain to Carlita and our sons as well. Through the harsh pressing of the physical and emotional conditions of incarceration, I have rediscovered my passion for service. Yes, I have made some very bad decisions in my life. Yes, I betrayed my wife and family because of my own lust and sins. And yes, I failed to deliver on the promises and opportunities that were given to me by the people of Detroit, Michigan. And yes, I have been severely punished for it. My family, though, has forgiven me. I have asked the people of the city of Detroit for forgiveness many times, and most Detroiters have forgiven me as well. Our country has always been the land of second chances, and I am hoping, confidently expecting, that I will have the opportunity to boldly move into the next season of my life outside of these prison walls. Kwame got that wish. With a felony conviction and without a license to practice law anymore, his circumstances, they could be considered reduced. He was ordered to pay $4.8 million to the city of Detroit in restitution as part of his sentence. That was later reduced to $1.5 million. He still owes the IRS nearly $200,000. But the Kwame you see today on social media never loses his big, bright smile. Together, he and his wife launched something called Movemental Ministry. It's a virtual church registered in Georgia. They offer joyful Saturday services, Bible study, and workshops. The couple made waves this summer with a crowdsourcing platform where they tried to raise $800,000 from public donations for a new condo. 
Federal prosecutors took note and a very dim view of the activity and went to federal court to seize monies raised. The order from the judge, which has been sent to the Kilpatrick, says the feds will be taking more than $193,000 from Plum Fund and PayPal accounts connected to their fundraising efforts. Kilpatrick's wish list on Plum Fund has since been taken down. After that failed attempt at a crowdfunded condo, they're living now in the Atlanta area, making trips to Detroit and other places for motivational speaking. Links on Kwame's Instagram page sell his book, which he self-published, and they also ask for donations to his church. Here's what Kwame had to say about his life today in a Fox 2 News interview. I wanted to be mayor of the city of Detroit. I wanted to be like Coleman Young. That was what I thought my destiny in life was. The hidden gem was that that was never the place that I was supposed to spend the rest of my life. And I want to tell Detroiters that. I know they thought that I was supposed to be there forever. Uh, it was never the place that I was supposed to be. I was supposed to do exactly what I'm doing now. What do you say to the people who would still elect you today? <laughs> tell them that I'm not running for anything. <laughs> The man sitting in that interview is wearing a plaid shirt. He's wearing trendy glasses, too, which he never used to wear. He's thinner. He seems relaxed. He's much more casually dressed than the Kwame Kilpatrick who ran the city of Detroit 20 years ago. The man then who stood on stage while thousands screamed his name and cheered on America's hip-hop mayor. Looking at the difference between Kwame then and Kwame now, historian Ken Coleman, he wonders what we'll see come from Kwame next. In terms of his popularity in the city, and there are people, uh, people today, who plead that Kwame was set up, and that he didn't do anything wrong, and the only reason why he went to jail is, quote, he cheated on his wife. You're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. I mean, that's how we all sort of felt, at least as Detroiters, at least as people, even those of us who were journalists, we still kind of live this stuff on our sleeve because at least for my generation and Kwame's generation, we've all kind of grown up together. We're, we're one or two degrees of separation. In the case of Kwame, I knew him personally. But even for people that didn't know Kwame personally, they know friends of his or, or family members of his. And so, you know, those were a set of years. When I think back on them now, you, I, I can't believe all of this happened. What really brings it home to me even more is it was an African-American man in my generation and somebody who had a lot who of hopes and dreams. Had a lot of hopes and dreams. I think that he is well on the way of reinventing himself. I think Kwame Kilpatrick as, as the religious leader is going to be um, probably even more popular um, than he was as an elected official. If Kwame Kilpatrick's life story so far has taught anything to anyone, it's that nothing is impossible. No matter what he does, for some the specter of Tamara Strawberry Green's murder and allegations about his interference into the investigation, they hang over him. His social media posts, his public appearances, the memory of his time as mayor. 
But how long is that memory, really? So I hear people say all the time that if Kwame ran for mayor today, he would win. If Kwame Kilpatrick ran for mayor today, depending on who the opposition is, I would certainly make him the favorite if I were a betting person. He's still very popular today. All you got to do is go into any church for a political meeting, go to the uh, precinct delegate meetings, go to a bar or a club. I mean, Kwame is beloved. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why when he came here, he he married here, you know, his current wife. I actually thought he was going to end up just setting up shop here. I was surprised that he did move, that he didn't choose to stay here because he could start a church and it would probably be the biggest church in the city. Memory. That could be short for the people who once trusted Kwame Kilpatrick. But Tamara's memory? That's long. For all her friends, her family, the people who loved her then and keep her in their hearts now. We introduced you to Tamara Green's youngest daughter, India, a girl who is not obsessed with vengeance. But still... She'd like to know who killed her mom. Is that possible? I asked James Craig, former police chief. Let me ask you, just in your experience of policing, is it possible to reopen an inactive case after 18 years and get it solved? Certainly we have technology today that we didn't have, say, 20, 25 years ago. There are times where you have a witness to a homicide that surfaces many years later, if not for the sole purpose that the inactive unit goes out, starts knocking on doors, you know, cases can be solved. And I recognize that time is not a friend when it comes to homicide. And when you hear like the show first 48 hours, you know, in the first 48 hours of any homicide, there is a greater likelihood of solvability if you can hit the ground and talk to the right person get evidence. And, you know, when you talk about a case that's 20, 25 years old, evidence is sparse. If it's all available, certainly there are people that know. Someone knows, and I've always said that in any homicide, the streets talk. The key is to get with individuals who can find those people who are talking and give them the assurance that what they tell you is anonymous. And see, I think it's important for me at this point to hit this. One of the Certainly the aversions that many in the community have with talking to the Detroit Police Department, especially about serious crimes, is retaliation. Sadly, would hear from a lot of community members doing, at the beginning of my tenure that one of the reasons why there was a reluctance to talk to investigators in serious crimes is because they felt that their identity would be revealed to those responsible. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of blown away by that. But it was a real issue that many had. And certainly an issue, I believe, was why there was such a reluctance to talk to the police. I'm not saying in every case, but I'm saying that is a factor. I never liked calling a case cold. Any case can be reopened. Who Killed Strawberry is a production of WWJ News Radio in Detroit. The podcast is produced by Zach Clark and written, hosted, and produced by me, Christy Strasser. Special thanks to Bill Smee for copy editing. Give us a rating and be sure to subscribe. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
anyone with information on the murder of Tamara Green should call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-SPEAK-UP. All tips are anonymous. All views, statements, and opinions made by people in this podcast are theirs alone. All individuals should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 